Welcome to Loinlander, the most unofficial Outlander podcast on the internet, or anywhere. I'm your host, Megan. And I am your host, Joe. And welcome to what can only be called the most incredible Loinlander season one, all-encompassing rewatch of all time. Yes, we are very, very excited to be here. Um, and for those of you who are just are tuning in for the first time, Joe and I recapped all of season three. Um, I'm a huge show fan. I have read the books, but I would say that I love the show first. And Joe is my husband, so he watches with me. And we always end up talking about it. So we started the podcast for season three. But tell the listeners why we're doing a recap on season one. Well, a lot of people that listen to us um, ha- have said they wanted us to go back and recap season one. And this was, uh, I actually threw out a, a challenge and said, if I get 500 email requests, that I would do it. Yes. Spoiler alert, we didn't. But we did get More enough. than we thought. We more, more than, than we thought. thought. That's and right. I thought, what a great way to lead up to the beginning of season four, recap season one, which is the best Outlander. Season one is the best Outlander. It is. I will admit that. Yeah. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about episode 101. Now, this episode was written by Ronald D. Moore, and it was directed by John Dahl. And Joe actually did a little research on John Dahl. Yeah, so, I mean, this is this is the pilot, right? So this yeah. is the one where they took the full swing. They really need to sell this one. So the guy that, that uh, Ronald D. Moore, I mean, Ronald D. Moore is the showrunner of the show, for those of you that don't know. Generally, showrunners don't write every episode. They only write the key episodes. So Ronald D. Moore wrote this one himself because it was the pilot. Uh, he went out and, and got this gentleman to uh, to direct it, and he had done a lot of, it looked like he did a lot of episodes in some of Ronald D. Moore's older shows, like Caprica and Battlestar Galactica and so that sort of thing. So he obviously liked him. He was comfortable with yeah. him. He knew what he was getting. Right. So the very beginning of Outlander, the first thing we see are the Glencoe Hills. Which are beautiful. Which are beautiful. We've seen them in person. We yeah. love them. And the first line is, people disappear all the time. It's true. And I loved it. Yeah, it's no. It's a great first line. It is. It, it, it kind of it kind of pulls you in. It, it gives you a sense of mystery right off the top. Yeah. Um, and there's actually a lot of voiceover in this episode. And that's actually, something... Oh, what were you going to no, say? No, I was going to say, I had forgotten how how voiceover heavy because it kind of fades away as the the seasons go on but this right. one was heavy VO which makes sense cuz the book is written first person by Claire right so it makes sense that the pilot episode would have a lot of her voice in it um and I loved it a lot of people didn't like it and I wonder if that's kind of why it tapered tapered away or the story became more of you know a number of different characters stories not just Claire's but I really enjoyed the voiceover. Are all the books just Claire first person? I've read none of the books. Uh, are all the books just first person Claire? Uh, no, it's uh, first person Claire. And then in the second book, it becomes third person Roger. So rather right. than Roger saying, and then I looked over there, it's like mm-hmm. Roger felt this, Roger felt that. but And then eventually it's Jamie. That's weird. It yeah. is a little, it is a little unusual. Now, I've only read up to... I just finished, I just got through the Fiery Cross after working on it for, yeah, you chipped away at I that don't for know, three and a half years. Back and I am a reader. I read every night before I go to bed. So I usually go through books very quickly. The Fiery Cross was a tough, tough read for me. Mm. Now I've started the Echo and the Bone. Uh-oh. No, She's... A Breath of Snow and Ashes. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and uh, and uh, it's... Uh, 
we're working on that one. We like the show. We do well, like the Megan show. Megan likes the show. I do. I love the show. Anyway, let's so talk the about the show. first scene is we have Claire looking wistfully at a vase, saying it was a Tuesday afternoon, six months at the, after the end of World War II, and then we right. get a flashback to World War II, the, the last day, V-Day. Yeah. Um, it was and, a great scene. She's in there. She's There's a... Artery that's all yeah. bleeding out, and she's she's uh, and it, it kind of sets the stage for what we see later because she's you know right in there, both hands, even though she's saved, just a nurse, yeah, saving yeah. this guy's life. And then you know, doctor just walks in, and is like, I I've have, got it, I've nurse. got it, nurse, yeah, you know, and, and she and, just puts it all down, right? And she walks away, which is kind of uh, actually not Claire like later on, but it just you know goes to show again the times and then that kind yep. of thing, yeah, um. So, and then it flashes back to her looking at the vase and saying, um, she remembers looking at that vase and thinking that she was looking at the life she wanted sitting in the window. Mm. And then she says, and this is a cold open. So this is right before the opening credits. She says, I do know this. Even now, after all the pain and death and heartbreak that followed, I still would make the same choice. I get goosebumps saying that line. Do you? Because then it's opening credits. Right. And isn't that a great cold open? Because right. you're like, what's going to happen? She's just looking at this vase and there's pain and death and heartbreak that's going to happen. And she's going to make a choice. What's the choice? I don't know. Now, is she talking about all the choices that she's going to make? Because there's a couple bad ones along the way. Uh, like, is, is that... It's kind well, of... that's the thing. Is that... Like, when Diana Gabaldon wrote that line, was she thinking, and then on the 10th book, Claire's going to make right. this choice. Yeah, and that's what she not. means. Or does she mean make the I would still make the same choice by staying with Jamie well because it's interesting because in the, again uh, we'll talk about this later but I really find that in this episode and it'll be interesting to see if it carries on through the rest of season one uh, but tonally it's very different I find than season two and three so it makes us makes me wonder is the narrative voice we're hearing at least off the top or maybe through the whole episode is the narrative voice we're hearing is that supposed to be Claire's voice, you know, in, whatever, like 90-year-old Claire after yeah. all this has happened? Yeah. Or is that supposed to be Claire. post-World War II voice? It would make sense that it's sort of way future Claire. I mean, I would love that. Yeah, but I again, I feel like these are things that when you're writing the first book, it's just kind of like, and then it'll be future Claire. But, you know, I, I don't yeah. know that it's when there's, you know, that many books that it's super planned out. But I feel like in this particular instance, it's supposed to be... You know, the voice of Claire, uh, you know, basically, you know, thinking back to, to the very beginning of this wild and crazy Scottish adventure she goes on. Spoiler yeah. alert, that means she lives uh, to the end. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, sorry, guys. Well, and Diana Gabaldon um, always wanted to write a book. And I think she was a scientist or something. Yeah. And then eventually she was 35 years old and she sat down and Outlander is her very first attempt at writing a novel. And so pretty successful for a first book. Yeah, I mean, good for her. She did great. And that would explain why, you know, things change from book one to book two, where it's like, you know, first person versus third person and that kind of thing. But anyway, we're not here to talk about books. Right. So we have the opening credits. Opening credits. And I loved it because it's the Scottish music and all the scenes, all the classic Outlander scenes. Um, It's my favorite intro. I didn't didn't care for the france beginning and i didn't like the weird jamaican music from season three either so i was happy to see our classic intro and you pointed out something very interesting when we were watching it yeah so i I noticed on the in the opening credits and i i'm not going to go back and rewatch the season two or season three credits but i thought it was interesting that 
in the opening credits, they never show you any faces. You don't, right. you know, you'll see half of Jamie's face or, or maybe a little bit of uh, Blackjack Randall or, or, you know, like Claire's foot. Yeah. Yeah. You see a lot of hands. Hands and, and that yeah. kind of thing. But yeah, they never, they don't actually show any faces. The only faces you see are the ones of the, you know, the, the ladies with their magical lights and the stones. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, it's just sort of an interesting. Well, it is. And of course, when they, when they first came out and said that they were adapting the book into a television show, of course, there was an obscene amount of anticipation about casting, right? Mm, yeah. Who were they casting? What were they going to look like? Yeah. Were they going to look like the book characters? And so that's kind of like a little teaser. Like you can tell that Jamie's in the opening credits, but they don't actually show you what James Fraser is going to look like. Yeah, I just, I don't know that I've ever seen that before where they had an opening, um, an opening credit sequence that had the main characters in it, but you don't actually see their faces. Yeah. So, yeah, just, just, uh, it, it's an interesting build up to the reveal, I guess. It's I, a little just, teaser. It's a yeah, teaser. I just right? never seen it before. Yeah. So, first scene. Oh, well, then it's um, the title card, which is the title of this episode is Sassanak. Sassanak, yeah. Um, and it shows Forget Me Nots Next to the Stones. Right. And of course, we learned that that's where, that's what she went back to get. That's why mm-hmm. she ended yeah. up, you know, changing her she life did, and yeah. the time period she was in. Because so it's a little bit important. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, so then the first scene we have is Claire and Frank. So happy to see Frank. Uh, and you actually said, wow, Tobias Menzies looks a lot younger. He looks way younger. Yeah. yeah. They're driving down the road in Scotland on their second honeymoon. And Joe says, let me tell you, that is the only way to drive down a road in Scotland. Right down the fucking middle. Because <laughs> we traveled to Scotland together, rented a car, and it was pretty stressful. Yeah, those, those was... <laughs> roads are very narrow, guys. So if you ever if you ever want to go, just do it, do it like Frank, right down the middle. Otherwise, you're going to feel like you're going in the ditch. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, but he's having a hell of a good time on that closed set. So yeah. just just booking it down in his old timey car. So they sign into the hotel mm-hmm. with Mrs. Baird, and we are uh, Claire introduces Frank and says my husband is a historian is an mm-hmm. historian. Yeah. So we learn that he yeah Frank wows the front desk lady with all of his knowledge, and they talk about is that when they first learn about Halloween? The, yep, Halloween and yeah. Yule turning into Christmas, right? And... All the sort of pagan holidays yeah becoming standardized holidays yeah. and that kind of thing so it really establishes frank as someone who is you know up on the lore of the land and that yep. kind of thing to the point where he's actually impressing locals with it yeah and you can tell the claire she just she kind of like all she's yeah. doing in that scene it's actually she kind of makes fun of him she doesn't care well i found that she just sort of leans back and looks at him adoringly right you know like it's super, she acknowledges that it's really just kind of super nerdy. It's a little and she dry, but she just yeah, loves him so much that she puts up with it. Kind right, of thing. exactly. Yeah. So then they go up to their room, and he sits down on the bed and pulls out a book. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Claire walks over to him and basically says, Claire says, "If you, that's not a great way to bones. start a family." Yeah. Yeah. That's, so yeah. Claire's so ready. She's ready. This, they established in the show right off the bat <laughs> that Claire is ready 24-7. Claire wants it. Yes. So then they start jumping All up and down time. on the bed and it's really, really mm-hmm. sweet. And then they have a moment where they're just talking and because he's laughing and she says, you know, I, I when I was in the army tents, I, I used to sit there and try and conjure up the sound of my husband's laugh and I couldn't do it. It's the strangest thing. I'd heard it a hundred times and I could never, I could never think of it. And then he grabs her hand and says, I used to sketch the lines in your hand. And it's, I really like this because it shows that these are two characters who have, I mean, I don't know if it's 
post-traumatic stress disorder but these two people had just lived through the war right and then reunited and i really like that they do a really great job of setting up their rock solid relationship before (laughs) claire drops him like a hot potato like a scaldingly hot potato well what i what i was going to mention is i think it's i thought it was interesting that he says he used to sketch the lines on her hands yeah because then later on they point out that the lines on her hands are actually fairly indicative of yeah um and uncommon as well. Very uncommon, but also indicative of two marriages at the same time. Mm-hmm, yeah, if you're into that sort of thing. It was so fun rewatching this and knowing all of the little, what is it called? Goose eggs or Easter eggs? Easter eggs. Easter eggs. <laughs> A goose egg is when you get hit on the head That's really correct. hard. Yeah. Right. So I'm not great with expressions. Um, but anyways, I thought that was I thought that was really cute how he actually memorized everything on her hands yeah. and it's indicative of what's gonna happen. Kind of. So they, the next thing they do is they go to Castle Leoc. That's the first. Well, no, sorry. The next thing they do oh, is, they is have get sex. down to business. Right, they have sex. And they, Frank had made a comment about the squeaky bed. Yeah. And then you just go to this really weird shot of the front desk lady hearing the squeaky bed. And she looks up and smiles. She just loves to hear the sound <laughs> of people doing it. That's what she wants. She so does. She's like, you, you Randy married she's people very happy for them she's just overjoyed she she's just loves it happy to hear it for yeah, sure that's bizarre so the first place they go to visit is castle leoc mm-hmm. yeah broken and down castle broken leoc. and which is so cool to see right yeah. and frank describes it as the home of the mackenzie's clan of the mackenzie's mm-hmm. clan and again looking back it's so interesting to see because you know all about the mackenzie's right, right they walk through it and frank points out you know what he thinks could be a kitchen and you know mm-hmm. that eventually Claire's going to be in that kitchen well and this is kind of interesting with um what I found interesting about this was Frank for all his knowledge of history his ignorance of the uh, of the the mood of the time because he was like oh my because he had uh, by this time he'd revealed that he had had an ancestor yeah uh, Jack Randall, Black Jack Randall, yep. who had you know who'd been the captain of the dragoons and all this, and he's like, oh, my ancestor may have walked these yeah. as if he was like just like playing cards. Totally, you know, like, I thought about out. that like, too. Yeah, like he's he, like, was, I have no proof, but I just yeah. have a feeling that yeah, he, he was may, walking yeah. these halls, and it's like having a merry old time. Well, if he was walking the halls, right. he was you know yeah. he was hurting hurting, hurting yeah. and raping people whilst doing it. Um, so then they they go down into the. What dungeon. Is the dungeon. Yeah. And Claire, you can Claire see Claire is a, just ready to go no, again. well, at first she gets an yeah. uncomfortable feeling down there. Cause then she gets a very comfortable feeling. It's almost like a premonition there. that she's yeah. like, oh, I have a, you know, like it's almost like a flashback or something because you can see she's uncomfortable being mm-hmm. down there and you know that soon she's going to be a prisoner there. Yeah. And then she instigates messing around, she right? She does instigates messing around for sure, and like in a quite a dirty fashion. Frank goes honest. down on her. Yeah, he's ready too. Which is great. Yeah, good for them. So there's a little bit of a of a rumor circulating that that you can she, hear Jamie whispering mine when he kisses when her. When he kisses and her. I, and when you first said that to me, I was like, "No, I had not I didn't hear it, but then Megan did rewind it and played it, you know, she played it for me again, and I did hear something. Now I don't know if it was Jamie saying mine, but after seeing things later in the episode, even though it is completely out of context with pretty much everything else that happens in the show, it may have been. Mm. Um, but you I know, I don't think anyone's confirmed or denied it. I think it's. I think 
they were probably just maybe going with what they were told, but it's really it's really out of context with everything else in the show. But so are some other things in this episode. Yeah. So it doesn't really it wouldn't really surprise me. Like this episode is I don't know. Such a different I, feel, hey? Right. It's so tonally different. Again, well, there's a part coming up where I'll, I'll touch on it more specifically, but there's there's just things that make this episode, I feel, so much more, you know, such, such a different feel than, mm-hmm. than the rest of the show. Anyway. And it's a good feel, right? I, yeah, it's a feel it's that... It's like an anticipation, that, that, that like something's going to well, happen. Yeah. Something's going to happen. Some, the show could use more of it. Anyway. Yeah. So then they go back to Reverend Wakefield and... Uh, Frank is so excited because he finds Blackjack Randall. Mm-hmm, yeah, and he's all giddy about and it. And he's giddy. And it's so exciting to watch the show again the second time around because you know all the people they're talking about, right? Right. The first time you're like, oh, who are these people? Because he brings up the Duke of Sandringham. Exactly. Which, when you first watch it, you're like, like blah, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. But it makes sense because um, you see him. Yeah, Mrs. Graham. They, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. And they allude to his death, which you don't see for a while either. I don't even remember that. Because you actually, you told me, because they allude to him having a questionable death or something like that. Oh, oh, Sandringham's death. Yeah, his death. Yes, yes. So then Mrs. Graham comes in and she brings tea and she and Claire go into the kitchen to have their tea. And of course she reads Claire's tea leaves Mm -hmm. and she says everything in it is contradictory. She's quite troubled by them. And then she reads her palm. Yeah, after she reads the tea leaves and gets a bit of a... Let me take a look at your palm. And she points out her Mount of Venus... And how it's a big one. She's got a big mount of Venus. Yeah. And Joe says she likes her Venus mounted for sure. We've already established yeah, that. Very much so. Thank you. <laughs> but anyways, her marriage lines are not divided. They are forked. Right. So you know so, that she has two marriages, but mm-hmm. at the same time. And which this is, is something that the witch lady has, has never, never seen, seen before. before. So this is this is kind of a good time to bring up what I was just talking about, where it, this episode, and you get it again another instance later, um, they, they very much, you know, kind of, kind of make it seem like it's all fate. Like it's very fate based in this. You know, the, you yeah. know, the, the, there's like ghosts and apparitions yeah. and voices mm-hmm. and you know weird tea leaf readings. And you kind of get a little bit of that with um, Margaret in season three when you sort of get her psychic readings. But it's still different. Those are like psychic readings. This is more implying that everything that's happening is meant to be almost like uh, if people are familiar with you know time travel movies and stuff like that there's something you know called a paradox which is where everything is you know it's all destined to be and you know everything that happened you know you went back in time you can't change it because everything that happened in your present is because you went back in time like it's 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 really it gets very convoluted but this kind of lends itself more to that than the rest of the series does Mm -hmm. so yeah so i just i found that that tone kind of gets dropped Especially in season two and season three. In season two, for sure, when they drop a lot of the science fiction stuff completely. But uh, Well, we're yeah. going to rewatch season two because you haven't seen all oh, of the boy. episodes of season well, two. We'll see about it. Anyway, uh, yeah. So Claire leaves the Reverend Wakefields. She walks home after Mrs. Graham's prophecy. And she says, uh, I think maybe one of my, well, maybe my favorite line of the episode, which is, tomorrow would prove less important than yesterday. Then it's nighttime. There's a rainstorm. Frank walks up to Mrs. Baird's Mm -hmm. and sees a Scotsman watching Claire from below. He's watching her at the window. Right, and it's obviously Jamie. I mean, I think it must be. I think it must be. If you when you watch it for the first time, you have no idea. Like you don't know what the hell you're seeing. But now when you see it, it's like he's got Jamie's curly hair and his little 
Tam hat and you know like he's he's dressed it's Jamie like Jamie from season one though because if yeah. you think about it like even think about the poster for season four and what Jamie looks like in that poster yeah, he's wearing nothing. like a yeah. gopher yeah. scarf yeah. and well, he's and this just his goes hair to... is shorter like right. old Jamie I don't understand if Jamie if it was like Jamie at the end of his life and he somehow goes back to the very beginning of, of when he first met Claire, he wouldn't be dressed like that. He would be dressed like Jamie. In- well, no, because I'm assuming in Boston or wherever they end up, he doesn't wear a kilt anymore. So, right. yeah, no, it's... So this, again, goes to what I was saying about how this first episode is very much sort of in a bottle and and kind of is its own... Well, the first season is kind of, right? right? Its own thing that they... All these callbacks that they never call back to. And I don't think they're ever going to call back to it. Maybe they will at some point. You know, if, uh, you know, I, I was saying that this is something that probably Diana Gabaldon came up with and then realized she had veered off and kind of painted herself into a corner and just decided, you know what we're going to do? Not that. And, uh, you know. <laughs> well, first of all, that's sacrilegious saying that Diana Gabaldon didn't plan absolutely everything out. Do you know that her fans refer to her as herself with a capital H? Oh, whatever. For real. I refer to her as whatever with a capital whatever. Well, it would be with the capital W if you're going to say that. No, but capital whatever. Okay. So then Frank comes home and he's spooked, right? Because yeah. she says, you look like you've seen a ghost. And he's like, I'm not at all sure that I haven't. Yeah. And then he explains, they sit there, and this is one of my favorite scenes. They sit there and drinking scotch with candles everywhere because the electricity mm-hmm. is shot. And he, it seems like he's approaching her about whether or not she maybe had a relationship with someone during the war and he says it wouldn't be uncommon right and, and she you're, gets, you're saying implying that maybe it wasn't uncommon for him either a lot of people feel that frank did sleep around during the war and that's why he was like it's okay but what i will just uh, say i mean i feel like that's people there's a lot of people out there that are super pro jamie and are just looking for reasons to hate, to on, hate on frank. frank i didn't pick that i didn't pick up on that well, then he says, and I actually wrote it down. He says, all I meant was, even if you had, it would make no difference to me. I love you and nothing you could ever do would stop my loving you. Well, and that is the one thing that they have kept thematically through the entire series. Because we know when she comes back, that's that's Frank's company line. He, it he is. sticks to it. That's very yeah. romantic. Oh, it's very romantic. Yeah, he's like, "Will I raise your bastard child as my own?" Well, yes, we don't call I will. it a bastard child, no? but well, no, because well, it's, it's, it's not a bastard Sorry, because not a she line. was married. Can you be married to two people at the same time? Certainly, you can if there's know. time travel involved. Absolutely. And then all bets are off. Next scene, cut to sex with Frank. That's right. Yeah, um, and so yeah, so keep on this, keep it on. Yeah. Still very much in with Frank. Yeah. So. At this point, I would like to point out we're at the 28-minute mark mm-hmm. in the show, and this is the third time they've had sex. That's so right. that's a pretty good average. Yeah. Well, it's amazing, and it's very it's establishing very much, again, that they really are into each other, big time, <laughs> you know, on a, on a number of levels. Yeah, and during the sex scene, Claire says that, quote, she has faith that everything would work out. Yeah, well... So the sex is over and Frank says... She's talking about Jamie's abs. Well, 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 it's very clever. Thank you. <laughs> the sex is over and Frank says, I want to set an alarm. I want to see the witches. And right. he talks about a circle of standing stones called Craig Nadoon. Mm-hmm. First time we've heard it. And then we see Claire and Frank hiding in the bushes while the dancers come out. Yeah, did so you then, like this scene? What did you think of this scene? I mean, I don't know. I think it was a little... 
for me, it was mm-hmm, too mm-hmm. long. You know, really? I, I already had to sit through two and a half minutes of opening credits where it's basically 90% that. Yeah, they like that I, scene. They I get do. it. They, yeah. they did like it, yeah. They do. And, you know, they, they did the thing where they you get the the sun I like rising that. I like that. and the sun coming. And it's supposed yeah, like to that. have, a, you know, obviously supposed to have a very magical, yes. mystical feel to it. And you didn't feel magical and mystical yeah, watching It was that. there. I just felt it went. It was just too long. Too long. Okay. And by, by that time, it's like you know something's going to happen and... You're like, get to the happening? Let's just do it, yeah. <laughs> so Frank and Claire are hiding in the bushes and they're in awe of the rituals and they're they're smiling. They're very sweet together. Both of them seem quite pleased and mm-hmm. entranced. They look at each other and honestly, watching this scene... I feel a little bit sorry for both of them right. because their lives are just about to change. They yeah. have no yeah. idea well, what is about to happen. Still a few hours left, but it's pretty Not, close. No, it's that same day. Right, same day. There's some technical stuff about this that also bugged me, took me out of the scene oh, a little like bit. What? Like when you see them, when you see the the witch lady standing in front of the stones, it's very dark and shadowy, and there's a lot of hard shadows where you get you're getting the light as mm-hmm. it's rising coming mm-hmm. through. Mm-hmm. But then it cuts to Claire and Frank, and it looks like it's about 11 a.m. Well, the sun rises. The sun rises. I I understand how sun (laughs) generally works on a day-to-day basis, but it just seems like in the Claire and Frank scenes, the sun is much higher in the sky. It's not casting hard shadows anymore. They're the stars, Um, so the the light has to be on their faces. I guess. Anyway, whatever. These are the things that drag me out, that pull me out of scenes. Okay. Well, then the witches, the dancers leave. Right. And Claire and Frank go up to the stones. And something that I'd never noticed before, which I actually loved, is that Frank goes up to that large stone. And we, the one that we know later, transports Claire. Yeah, the stone. The stone. Back to the past. And he touches it with his hand. Sweet F.A. Not a thing happens. Nothing happens. Yeah. Much like Jamie touches it at the end of season two and mm-hmm. nothing happens. It's just a hint that not everyone has the ability to time travel. Not everyone has magic stone time travel powers. No. So they run off together. And the next scene is the two of them in their hotel. This scene breaks my heart. Claire's in the white dress that you know you're going to see for the next two episodes. Right, right. And she's researching flowers. And Frank is on his way to the Reverend Wakefield's Looking house. Looking dapper, by the way. He looks Frank's fantastic. He's got man. some sort of vest yeah. on. Yeah, it's a three-piece But what I really suit. like yeah, is no, the radios in the background. Like, it's very it's very yeah. 20th century. Right. Like, and uh, he leans in to kiss her goodbye. And then she grabs his tie. And pulls him in for another kiss. And then I don't know if you noticed, but as he walks away, it's in slow motion. I did not notice that. It's in slow motion. And she's smiling. And again, it's sad because this is the last time she will ever kiss him and be happy about it. Well, yeah, it's the last time she will ever be, she'll ever see Frank when she's in love with him. Oh, that's so sad. It is. Except for Frank. It is sad. Yeah, it was almost like their love walking away in slow motion. In slow motion, it was. I just got goosebumps. Yeah, that's lame. It's not lame. Anyway. It's magical. It's time travel. It's not lame, Joe. So Claire drives back to Craig Nadoon and picks up the flowers and she hears buzzing. And the wind picks up and she slowly walks towards that long flat stone as if she's drawn to it. And then it goes black. And it flashes to the car crash scene. And she says it's described as like a sickening sensation, like falling at a high speed. That's the closest she can come to describing the experience, but it falls woefully short. How did you... I love this. I love it. Yeah, it was, it was a really great way. 
to to put you in Claire's shoes as as to what it felt like. I thought it was great because everyone's felt that feeling. Whether well, maybe not everyone, but mm-hmm. most people have where. You know, you're on a plane and you're in heavy turbulence and all of a sudden it dips down, you know, and yeah. that, that feeling sucks. Like, I, and you know what that feeling feels like, and yeah. you know, especially having the, you know, the visual reference of having her kind of falling. It, it made uh, a really fantastical scene, you know, rather than, because I mean, maybe some shows would have done some sort of super lame, like, light you know, flashing, yeah, green screen thing of her falling or something. But this yeah. was a really great way to just, um, they didn't try and sell you the moment. They tried to sell you the feeling that you would feel to, to put you in your shoes. And I think they really did a great job. Well, so, it was all Ronald D. Moore. He felt job, very strongly that he didn't want to do... He didn't want to try and make right. it work because he knew it would look gimmicky no matter mm-hmm. how much money they spent, no matter how hard they tried. Yeah, he knew it, would it would look would gimmicky. Be... No, they're good. Ron, yeah. I know you're listening. And good job, man. You're not listening. Okay, so not she... Listening, <laughs> she wakes. You're not she wakes on the ground... Yeah. And everything is brighter. You noticed it right away. Oh, yeah. So completely, like, the color palette and everything has completely changed. So in the whole first, whatever, two-thirds of the episode, mm-hmm. however long before. And it is goes, two-thirds of the episode. Yeah. So everything is really, everything has really flat colors. Everything's beiges and browns and... and Much like photographs from that time period look. Yeah, it all has back. a bit of a sepia tone to it, is yeah. what it's called, and, and that sort of thing. As soon as she's through the stones... All of a sudden, everything's vibrant. The grass is really green. The uh, sky you know, is blue. The sky is very blue. You know, it's the, the, the she colors. She looks more alive. Right, exactly. Yeah, the, and the white on her dress just, you know, glows. And it's it's just, it's a very vibrant looking, looking uh, picture. You know, so even though she's in the same place, she's in a different place. Yeah. And it's you know? a place where she, can we say, maybe she belongs because she looks way more alive. I mean, at the moment, she doesn't feel like she, she belongs. Doesn't. That's no, for sure. She doesn't. No, she doesn't. So she runs back to where her car was. Big surprise. No car. No car. And we're over 40 minutes into the episode at this point. Mm-hmm. So right when... We haven't seen one dirty Scotsman yet. Nope. That's about to change. And she says she sees a bunch of people running with guns. Mm-hmm. And she, she thinks it's a recreation. The, well, and she says, when confronted with the impossible, the rational mind will grope for the logical. Perhaps she had stumbled upon a movie being filmed or something. But then she says, but there was no logical reason for them to use live ammunition. Right, and then somebody shoots at her. And then someone and shoots she at her. She out in a big hurry. And she ducks. And Katrina Balfe is amazing in this scene. And she just kind of, like, you can see the terror. Yeah. And then fun Scottish music starts playing in the yeah, background. Yeah, and then, then it's a fun romp for your life. Back back to the old, back, back to Outlander. But I love it because now we know all the characters. So you see this dirty Scotsman turn and shoot. And you know that it's Angus, Angus shooting yeah. back at the English. I liked Angus. I liked missed, him too. I didn't realize how much I missed Angus. Or any of them. Rupert? Right. Did you notice yeah. Rupert? Oh, yeah. Love Rupert. So then Claire starts running, and she the first person she bumps into and has a conversation. Yeah, so she runs down to the water, and she's trying to run away, and then... Black Jack Randall. Yeah, and he turns around, and he's like, hello, Claire. He's immediately suspicious he of her. Claire. He yeah, immediately he's, he's hates just, her. Yeah, he just hates everyone he sees, but especially Claire. And do we... How do we feel about Tobias Menzies' costume and makeup? Like, do we feel like he looks different enough? Like, could uh, I mean, he have done something else? When I said that to you when we were watching yeah. it, you're like, well, he's got a ponytail. And it's like, yeah. no, but should they maybe have made him look a little more different? Like, it basically looks like Frank with a ponytail. Or did they do something to his eyebrows? I don't know. I mean, I think it basically is supposed to be Frank with a ponytail. That's why she's so stunned because she, she thinks, actually thinks it's it is Frank. Him. Yeah. So I think if it was too much, then maybe 
there would be hesitation on her part, but she immediately thinks it is Frank. And, and she says, "What the devil are you doing?" Auntie Garb, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and he's he's suspicious, but once he hears that she's English, he gives her a chance to at least explain herself. Yeah, not not a long because no. as soon as she starts running away, he basically is. Well, is he after can tell her. she's very yeah. He right thinks off the top. yeah yeah. Jack Randall is an atrocious human being, but not dumb. No, he's not, he's dumb. not dumb. No. So he chases after her and she introduces herself as Claire Beecham using right. her maiden name to avoid the whole Randall confusion thing because it would seem weird if she says my name is Claire Randall knowing that that's his la- his last name. Right, yeah. Um, and then do you remember the Scotsman that saves her from Jack Randall at that moment? Yeah, it's my boy. It's Murtaugh. Yeah, but, but there's... Sorry, there's something in between there though. So... She tries to flee. Yeah. And this is a theme in season one I remember from the first time I saw it. It'll be interesting rewatching it. So there's a theme. Jack Randall runs up to her, grabs her, throws her against the rock, and then doesn't ask her any more questions, just immediately starts to rape her. No, he asks her a bunch of questions. And Does then he? yeah, because then she she's answering all of his questions and he points out that she's dressed like a whore, but she speaks right. like the queen. Right. So he's like, something is not right here. Right. But I'm gonna you're dressed like a horse. But, so he actually says, I take the horse. If it looks like a duck. And yeah. then he starts so, to rape her. So right. there's a lead up joke. Uh, sorry, Don't act like, like it's I, a... I just, I, this is what I remember <laughs> the first time I watched this show. And it'll be interesting to see if this carries on more. Is that I just seem to remember that basically any time Claire encounters a stranger, they try and rape her. Which may have been how it was back then. I don't know. And I, I will never live there. So I, I will never know. But I just seem to remember that it was like, she... Well, the next stranger she runs into is Murta, and he, he does, not. does not. He does not try. No, but he, he does get her to shut up yeah. real fast. Yeah, he one punch knocks out Jack Randall, which yes. is pretty impressive considering his fortitude in later episodes, mm-hmm. and then takes Claire and books it. Yeah, and then she starts screaming, and he's like, "You know what we need to do here?" Knocks her on the back of the head. He knocks and her this is the- why I love Murta. Not that I in any way condone violence <laughs> against women, but he's just very decisive. It's just. Such a Murtaugh thing to do. He's just like, we need to nip this in the bud. Yes. So, but then, again, something that I didn't notice before is he's the one that takes, he's the one that takes her to Jamie, essentially, right? Murtaugh is the one that brings Claire to Jamie. Yeah. Into Jamie's life, which I loved. So he, they, they go into that hut. Not before she complains that he smells. I mean. In, it, in her voiceover. Right. In her voiceover, so he smells. They burst into the hut and Sam Hewen's Jamie is first on camera in the back and out of focus. I didn't even notice him. I know. And I, I love that. I was looking at Rupert. Because that's very much how it is in the book. He's just sort of one of the one of the group. He's the youngest and he keeps getting injured and she's taking care of him and he's nice. Like he's a nice person but you don't immediately think He's not the king of men. No, he's not the king of men. Well, he's spoiler just... alert, he's not. So <laughs> in this episode or, or many others. Anyway. Dougal comes up to her and like you can tell he's in charge right away Mm -hmm. and it made me instantly realize how much i've missed the highlanders like and how nice it is having them all around like all of them like the boys the boys yeah and dougal he's a great character yeah he is a great character um he's immediately suspicious of her too Mm -hmm. and uh they're all staying in this house they're hiding out and we realize quickly that the reason that they're stuck is because Jamie is too injured to ride. Right. 
King of Men. King of Men. To her to ride. Yeah. <laughs> They're attempting to He's fix his elbow. His He's dislocated his shoulder. They're att- which looked very realistic. It did, yeah. They're attempting to fix his elbow, and Claire jumps in. And yeah, they're they're about to try and pull it, just pull it back into its socket. And her voiceover acknowledges the wise thing to do would be to sit back, yeah. stay quiet, not interfere. And then, and again, this this sets the <laughs> just the ball rolling of three seasons of Claire. Yeah. just and then she doing the, the whatever thing, the least sensible course of action is. That's Claire. The next thing she says is, "Don't you dare!" As yeah. she marches in and gets yeah. in on the action. This is the Claire and, we know. She right. takes control. I know more than you. And Get love. out of the way. And she does know more than them. She does. And she she's confident. No. So she pops his shoulder back in. And again, a very realistic looking right. sh- dislocated shoulder being popped back in. And all in. the dirty Scots are just standing there stunned. Like they don't know what to think because she's, you know, pointing and telling them what to do and turn around. Well, yeah, and... she s- turns to Angus and says, you, fetch me a long piece of cloth or a yeah. belt. Yeah. And he's and like, he... oh, I'm going to fetch fetch a cloth? Yeah. And, and, and then Dougal's like. Dougal's like, give her your damn belt. Yeah, get it. Because yeah. she seems to know what she's doing here. Right. And uh, he does. He and does. He, he gets it, and uh, she fixes it up. And Dougal says right. to Jamie, "Can you ride?" And Jamie says, "Yeah." And he's like, "Great, we're leaving." Yeah. Like he's not. They got to get out of there. Yeah, they do. They're so then, as he's taking Claire well, to, they're outlaws, but they're well, Jamie is. Jamie's not yeah. As he's taking Claire to the horse, he's saying all sorts of nasty things to her, like "I'm going to slit your throat" and everything else. Remember, he's like, if you move a muscle, I'll right, right, right. just get no, off the horse. But actually, before then, I'm jumping ahead. Before then, in one of my favorite scenes, she and Jamie walk out at the same time of that hut. Mm-hmm. And she says, where's the city? And she's panicking. Oh, right. Because it's had, from the same angle that right. she knows she's yeah, they, seen before. They had, they had a shot earlier, an evening shot of Inverness, where you can see all the all the lights. And then all you can see is just, you know, candlelight, torchlight. And she there's a voiceover where she says that... Uh, you know, there were no electric lights to be seen. So that was, again, I think that was the final sort of then she nail realized, the, Well, she says, I realized I wasn't in the 20th century anymore. Yeah. Because Jamie says, Inverness, you're looking right at it. And then he keeps walking. Yeah. And again, I love this. Like, there's no... I mean, people say there's an immediate connection between them. There's a mild one, I guess, because she helps him with his shoulder. But right. it's not like... It's as much doctor-patient as it is future husband and wife. Yeah, it's not like a, you know stereotypical romance where they're mm-hmm. like you know staring into each other's eyes with romantic music in the background like right. Dougal's threatening to slit her throat and Jamie's like pulling her up onto the horse like he's not mm-hmm. defending but he her. he does then immediately try and do like a cloak snuggle with her because it's cold and rainy. That's and true. That is true. He's like I can't I can't wrap this thing around you with one arm so. Well she's annoyed. She's like what are you doing? Yeah. And, he, and like, then do you remember what she said? She's like I'm fine. Yeah. Which all women say when they're annoyed, so... No, I never had no (laughs) idea. Anyway, um, what's the next thing? So they start riding. They ride for a while. They ride all night. Yeah. At which point... Well, and he says they're going to ride all night and then... Probably the next night, too. At which point I turned to Joe and I said, I would not do well under these circumstances. No, it would would not go well. It would not. So they're riding and it's day and she warns them against the potential ambush that Frank had provided her... Mm -hmm. When they yeah. had been driving, and Jamie believes her instantly. Yeah. yeah, and he rides up to tell Dougal, who is very suspicious, very and suspicious. he's like, "How do you know? Where did you hear it?" Right. And then he said, "Okay," and he turns to Claire, and he's like, "But you'll be telling me how you know this information." And then they say basically like one, two, three, and Jamie. <laughs> Jamie just whips Claire right <laughs> off the horse down. To, again, 
connection. I don't know. He just he what he just the heck? I was her. Like, Jamie, that is, yeah. and she falls like obviously no, she, stunt double, she but goes, she yeah. yeah ass over tea kettle into yeah. the bushes. And there's a fight scene. And there's a fight scene, but she runs. Like, yeah, so she... you don't see the fight scene. You just see Claire as she runs away. Yes. So she's trying to escape. Who finds her? Jamie Fraser. Jamie Fraser. And says, lost your way, did you? Does not sound friendly or romantic. No. And she's like, oh, there's blood. And he's like, no, it's mostly, it's it's not, it's not mine. mine. Well, maybe a little bit mine. Yeah. And he's got a long sword. Yeah. And he's basically, he's kind of like threatening her. He like she tries to, her, to move. To her, and... to her head, basically her face. Yes. And he's like, Dougal's going to come and. And he'll you know, be wondering where you yeah, are. He'll be a lot less nice than me, so get on the damn horse is yes. basically what it boils down to. It's a great scene. And we're 50 minutes into this episode, and we have our first scene with the two leads mm-hmm. of the entire series. And I think that's a risk. Like, that's making people wait for 50 minutes before the first Claire and Jamie scene. And it is not a romantic Claire and Jamie scene. But no. it's There's a knife to her face. Yeah. Yeah. So they get back on the horse. They're riding with the rest of them. Yeah, King of Man falls off. The King of Man falls off his horse. What a shocker, Joe what? says. <laughs> Dougal rushes them on. She Claire fixes him up. Um, well, she takes she 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 rips takes, off she, some she, of sure, her own. And she sees that there's a bullet hole that he's been shot. Right. And didn't you know he was too that, cool? Because he's, to, so, he's not too cool. He's so strong. He's Joe. so strong. He's so manly and strong. Yeah, yeah. So strong that he fell off his horse, being a dork not telling the nurse, the nurse. that he got shot oh i noticed that you actually laughed done. at that <laughs> you laughed at the first scene when she's like i'm a nurse and he looks at her breast <laughs> and is like oh hi and she's like not that kind of nurse not a wet nurse not a wet nurse yeah which, and he's yeah, like oh okay i think that's kind but of funny it, he's very young right, right he yeah. doesn't know yeah so anyway, she patches him up, right. rips well, part of her dress off. I love off. where you know she's like, "I need some antiseptic, I need some this," and then she's like, uh, "Alcohol," and they're like, "Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah." So, <laughs> so yeah, so they get that, and that, that's also where they start talking about uh, Angus and Rupert's and Dougal start talking about her mouth because she's oh, cursing and talking, yeah. and you know, and yeah. she basically tells them you know where to go and where they can shove it and uh yeah i think it actually kind of earns their respect a little bit i think she does too yeah. yeah yeah and something that i thought was you know a nice character beat is the fact that this is now the second time that jamie's injured already and both times Murta is right there with him like yeah. all the others are kind of standing around but he hasn't had a is... line yet i don't think at this point he's had lines in in gaelic gaelic gaelic, gaelic yeah when they first walk in, he's talking and explaining right, where right. he found her and everything else. But no, he hasn't actually said anything in English. Right. Um, so she patches him up and then he, she starts walking away and he says, Randall. And it sounds like he's calling her. Right. He, she's, what? And then he continues and says, we'll be looking for me. Right. So we need to get going. He's yeah. crazy. Trust me. You'll yeah. learn in the next episode how crazy he is. But we have to keep going. But then he says... Wait till the finale. Yeah. yeah. Remember that one. Anyway. And then he says, thank you, Sassanek, truly. And it's the first yeah. time he's used the name Sassanek. And right. he says it affectionately. As like a term of endearment. Yeah. Which it is not. Not to most people. Right. And then they get back on the horse and they ride up to Castle Leoc. She looks over and she sees herself from two days before picking flowers mm-hmm. in her 1940s. Yeah, gets that weird old tractor. Yeah. Yeah. And then says, I knew that my, I knew that my journey had just begun. 
even though I'd almost been like raped and mm-hmm. killed and chased and everything else, I knew my journey had just begun. And then cut Scene. and then cut to credits. That's right. And she's still on the horse with Jamie Fraser. That's right. So what did you think of it? I mean, it was way better than anything I saw in season three. That's for sure. Yeah. But just different, tonally. Very different. Very different. Um, I mean, obviously, it's really unfair to compare a pilot to any other episode in the series because so much time probably. Well, yeah, goes you've into got the... years to go into it and plan it out, and you know, think of every little thing. Whereas, you know, especially in in second and third seasons, you're under such serious time crunches. You're just, you know, you're, you know, you take time, but uh, you know, comparatively to the pilot, you're blasting stuff out, right? Mm-hmm. So, um. You know, this should be, it should be the best episode, theoretically, right? Because, yeah. you know, you've had so much time to write it and perfect it. and. But I think with Outlander, they didn't, it wasn't just a pilot. I think that they got approval for, like, the first three. Right. So but they s- made the first three and then mm-hmm. got approval to make oh, okay. more. But, so, okay, we'll see if that carries over for the next two. I, w- I would really like to see, I'm really, really curious to see if the, the, the whole sort of... Um, you know, fate subplot that they established in this first episode carries through to the rest of the first season. I don't really remember it that well. Uh, I mean, when we see Galas, obviously, you know, that's where the next time that's really going to tie in, I would think. Yeah. I can't really remember that stuff. It's a little, you know, very sketchy. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm just intrigued because I know in season two and season three, it just got, it's gone. It's so far gone. You can't even remember it. Um, well, except in season three, the whole first half of season three is her longing for Jamie because they're meant to be, right? No, but that's different than, you know, meant to be and it will happen because it's fate. You know, predetermined fate. You know, no matter, fate is like, no matter what you do, this is going, it is fate. Fate is like a non, is like a boulder rolling down a hill and you can't stop it, right? Yeah. So the other stuff is just like, Whereas, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. Whereas in season three, like, she takes charge. She decides yeah. to go yeah, back she in time. She makes her own She fate. makes her outfit. She yeah. makes her fate. Yeah. She so, plans it out. Exactly. That's what I mean. It's very different. And there's there's a lot less, um, just the, you know, and science fiction isn't the right term, but less supernatural. Like, in this, yeah. there's way more supernatural. You know, the, again, like, the, 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 the lines, the fate, the, the reading of the tea leaves, the spectral Jamie ghost which obviously that's what it was and then you know or and the mind whisper which might have been there may have been Frank grunting we don't know but considering all the other stuff that happens in the the rest of the episode it wouldn't surprise me if it was Um, okay what was your favorite scene Uh, I think my favorite scene was I mean personally my favorite scene was where he fell off the horse just because it's like the whole (laughs) thing a man thing makes me groan so it was like at least you know I'm not out to lunch he was always this this yeah. is what he actually always is well he has to all oh, there has there has to be a reason for Claire and him to make a connection right if he's not constantly injured then yeah. she can't constantly care for him um I can tell you what um this is maybe not necessarily my my favorite scene but I felt one thing that was the most interesting mm-hmm. and I feel like this is quickly re- rectified in episode two but in season one um in the pilot pilot yeah, yeah. sorry episode one one very key part of this show does not happen jamie does not take his shirt off oh i feel like that is like because i feel like he spends a large part of the rest of season one cold and shirtless 
Um, and I feel like I just find it interesting that they didn't, you know, they didn't set, do that once. The, the, well, no, because you know, especially considering this book is, you know, uh, I mean, careful. Yeah, <laughs> sci-fi Harlequin romance. I don't know. I, you, you know, it, it's it, so much more than that. It it's is. So it more. is. But but you know, there's definitely that element. To yeah. It, right. Yeah. And a lot of the fan base, whatever. I don't care come for that they come for shirtless jamie yeah they right? do. like yeah. i mean i'm not you can't deny it yeah so to have your whole first episode and not show jamie until the you know basically the, the last 10 15 minutes and yeah. then to not give you any like beefcake jamie not either. just not just beefcake no romance they had well yeah like they had i mean not that he's just a piece of meat to be ogled, but like they had chances to, they could have, <laughs> they could have had his shirt off. Yeah, I'm just saying, like it's it's yeah. interesting considering then tonally it changes completely and well, then we'll it's see. all maybe it won't right away. Maybe right? it won't. We'll I mean, I'm interested because that is like the rep I have in my head for it. So yeah. that's the interesting thing about this rewatch is to see. So far, it's all it's all living up to what I remembered. But okay, um, what was your least favorite scene? Um, my least favorite scene. I, you know, I don't know if I had a least favorite scene. Well, you didn't have a favorite scene. No, I don't. I don't. Here's the thing. I don't know in these rewatches that I'll have a favorite and least favorite scene because mm-hmm. I'm I'm watching it back from a different point of view. Like when I'm watching season three, I was watching them for the first time, so you know, like I know what happens, so I'm not gonna get pissed off at storylines and stuff like that. That's right. usually the stuff that makes me upset. Right? Yeah, that'll make you know yeah. bad continuity. But and you that can kind say like what you thought was like I thought the 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 whole the lighting thing. You yeah, know, that was probably it, your it, least favorite. Right? I guess yeah, because because it, it 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 in the stones scene with the witches, uh, druids, because it, yeah. it took me out of it. But I mean, that's like a technical nerdy thing that 99.7 percent of the people watching and I probably shouldn't notice either. Yeah. Uh, you know, so like that kind of nitpicky, which is truly nitpicky shit, you know, that kind of stuff. Okay. So my least favorite scene was probably the flashback to the war scene. To oh, World why? War II. I felt like Katrina Balf was a little bit stiff when she was like, hold him down. Do you hear me? It just felt like a line. It didn't feel like. Hmm. I didn't mind it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was. I mean, I love the whole pilot episode, but if I had to have a least favorite scene, that would be it. That my it. favorite scene was the storm at night, the ghost of Jamie, all the way up to Frank and Clara sipping scotch with Frank relaying the story. Yeah, I mean, it was just nice to get that old-timey Frank and to, to get the taste of old-timey yeah. in love Frank and Clara. Also, it can it gives you an I it gives you a better understanding of why he was so surprised when yeah. she came back and wasn't into him at all. It, well, it is weird too. It's it's really I mean, I guess I don't know the 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 true jamie lovers right now or you know true love conquers all but man like she seemed really in love with frank and then she just dumps him hard some cold shit well she doesn't dump him she doesn't dump him though right because they spend their life together i guess yeah that's worse okay who was your mvp um i mean it's gotta be claire you know she's the star of the show it can't be anyone else in that episode it's gotta be claire i mean there's a lot of frank frank was good but you know when you're hearing Claire's voice 90% of the time. And she's 90. in every single yeah. scene. She's, she's in, in every single scene. Much and you know all the scenes where she's running in that white dress? Apparently it was freezing and it was like one of her first days on set and it was just for days. Like they had to yeah. keep showing her running. Oh, so they great. like really put that actress through the ringer. Okay, loin points. Okay, so this is interesting because I feel like um, in, previous, in previous seasons, we've only done one, but previous episodes... 
my loin point scale got completely skewed it because did. you in, didn't in know the, how good you had right it. in the beginning yeah. yeah exactly in the beginning of season three i gave some just nasty low loin point ratings only to then find out that that was good it was as it was gonna get <laughs> and it's sort of like you can't go lower right like i can lower the bar without yeah. going into like negative loin right. points and it just got it got ridiculous yeah so I feel like this was a solid episode mm-hmm. with so great what, acting. Yeah. So what I'm gonna, but I would never want to watch it again. Uh, so what I am gonna do this is I'm gonna give this one at a, on a scale of one to ten. No, We're it's gonna, out of a hundred. It's out of a hundred on a scale of one to a hundred. I'm gonna give this a flat fifty, dead center, dead in the middle. So then this is like mean average. So that means now I have um, room to go up and room to go down. But this is this is right in the middle, fifty. Would I ever watch it again willingly? No. Did I dislike it? No. So that gives it a 50. But didn't doesn't it get more than 50 because of the acting and the chemistry and the plot and all of the things that went into it? Doesn't it get more than that? No, because that would imply that I actually, this is a show that I would willingly watch, which I, I, I wouldn't. It's, not, I, it's still not a show that I really enjoy, uh, you know, that I would enjoy on my own. So... No, it's got to be really good for it to get. If I won't rewatch it again, it can't get over fifty. But maybe there's an episode that that will. I, I want to give it room to grow. Okay. Would you like to know how many loin points I would give this episode? Oh, I would love to. Ninety-nine. Ninety-nine. I thought this may be the the one hundred loin point episode. It okay. As a second watch, I would give it 100, but I'm giving it 99. It loses one point because I do remember when I watched it for the first time thinking that it was a little slow because I didn't know like all the stuff at Reverend Wakefield when they're talking about all these people I'm like I don't know what this means it's boring 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 yeah but the second time I loved it but I am giving it a 99 because I thought it was a little bit slow but it's because it's much more entertaining to rewatch well and if you didn't know anything about this show when you first started watching it it would have seemed cripplingly slow what am I watching yeah you wouldn't have realized that but everything and you had actually mentioned this when we were watching that every line of pretty much everything in that show before she touches that damn stone and goes back in time is is a, a, a seed you know yeah. a planting of yes. a seed which is exciting to rewatch it, it, it is I think, yeah yeah so 99 okay yeah all right that's it that's it the first of how many there are 16 episodes oh, in the first right. season this is the first of 16 we glorious are... Loinlander recap rewatch episodes. We're so Stay excited tuned. to rewatch all of them with you. If you have any comments or questions. Right. Yeah, if you have any comments, questions, uh, corrections, that's always our favorite. Uh, feel free to reach out. And I'm serious about that. Uh, feel free to reach out to us at Loinlander at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at Loinlander. We also have a Facebook page. Um, but I'm not really sure what the it's URL Loinlander is. Loinlander Podcast. Loinlander Podcast. Yes. Find us on there. You can find us on iTunes, which you probably know if you're listening to us, and or on SoundCloud. We love your questions. We love your comments. We love your interaction. Yes. If you like this, share it with your friends or your mom. All right. <laughs> uh, thanks for tuning in. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Bye. 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 Welcome to Loinlander, the most unofficial Outlander podcast on the internet, or anywhere. I'm your host, Megan. And I am your I host. I my name. <laughs> I'm Megan. Hello. Cut it to bloopers. <laughs> 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 <laughs>